pitching in general no matter what you do in life you're always pitching something to someone it's a basic essential human trait that i think that everyone needs to have everyone thanks for tuning into notes of design to help support our mission spread knowledge we have a very special guest on today's episode let's welcome guru vaidya who is a technical evangelist presently working with adobe as solution consulting manager over the years guru had helped launch several versions and products of adobe and autodesk softwares across india while speaking at various press conferences and trade shows like fmx broadcast india and ibc on this episode guru had shared great insights on product pitching as being designers it's our duty to not just design beautiful products but also to convey our decisions to the various stakeholders involved in a product along with these he also helped us with sharing few techniques on effective pitching and presentation in the end we discussed on how content plays a very major role in presentation and what are the right steps that one must take prior to pitching hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every friday we release a new episode with a new creative leader around the world to help you understand different topics related to design so don't forget to tune in into notes of design on every friday with that said happy designing everyone Hi Guru, welcome to Notes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tej. It's a pleasure being here on the show. So Guru, how's your day going? So far, it's uh, quite an easy Sunday. It's, been, it's a little relaxed and so I'm feeling a little relaxed today. Luckily, there's no work-related calls going to be coming in, so I'm glad about that. So far, so good. How was your Sunday? My Sunday has been like quite hectic from morning. I did like two recordings and then oh. the third one. So super excited about all the new episodes coming. Yeah, me too. So Guru, if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Sure, Paige. So my name is Guru Vaidya and I'm uh, currently a solution consulting manager here at Adobe Systems in India. I'm based out of Mumbai. And this year, I just completed 10 years at Adobe. Uh, my team and I mainly focus on our creative cloud set of products, but we also help with the document cloud as well, which is all about uh, replacing paper with digital documents at Adobe. And then we also focus on some of our e-learning solutions, uh, you know, creating e-learning content for uh, internal organizations, uh, you know, for them, for their employees to learn and so on and so forth. And so allows us an exposure to different industry verticals and different lines of businesses within those verticals. So, for example, with, with the Creative Cloud, we get to meet with designers and, you know, UX designers and motion graphic artists and video editors and so on and so forth. While as with uh, with Document Cloud, it's a completely different audience. It's uh, you know IT teams and legal teams and HR teams and learning and development teams, sales, marketing, etc. And this is across different industry verticals like ITES, uh, media and entertainment, BFSI, public sector, education, pharma, manufacturing, travel and hospitality too. Most of the times we are pitching solutions. Or if you're not doing that, then we are probably helping our existing customers see the value in the, in the products that they've already bought. And I think showing value is something that's very important in a subscription business like ours. You know, as you can imagine with this plethora of different types of industries, so each industry has a different set of problems and challenges. And so when we're pitching to these industries, we've got to ensure that we keep that in mind. There's no one size fits all kind of a you know, pitch. So we've got to tweak our pitches to make sure that it's, it's relevant to the right audience. And sometimes you have to pitch internally as well, maybe to engineering or product marketing, 
you know, for uh, certain features that we want in the products to be added, which we think would would help uh, many of our customers on the field. There are those kind of presentations as well. And in my free time, I like to learn new things. I'm trying to get my head around uh, the Unreal Engine now. See a lot of potential from a cinematography and you know product rendering point of view. So I'm um, quite fascinated by that. I also, in my free time, you know, uh, do a little bit of digital sculpting here and there. It's uh, I find it very therapeutic. Helps me relax a lot. And uh, another thing that I do to relax is also I, I sometimes take out my drone and uh, or DSLR camera and go shoot some videos. And just make uh, you know some short films, uh, drone films, and so on. And that's something that helps me exercise my creativity and uh, also use the tools that you know we. Thank you so much, Kuru. So I wanted to know, like, what is your journey into design, and how did you start, and what are your tips to the beginners? So I started off during the dot com boom. This was like uh, late '90s, early 2000. When Flash was uh, the predominantly used for a lot of web designing and gaming at that point as well. But very soon I realized that, uh, you know, I had uh, more of an affinity towards 3D animation and, and 3D content. Maybe it was the games I was playing, I don't know. But it was just, it seemed a lot more fascinating to me. So I poured it into, into 3D animation, learned the tools of the trade, created a decent enough showreel to get me a job at uh, Dreamforest Films. And, and Dreamforest Films was interesting because it was a small studio and one of the, one of the founders of the studio was, uh, had, had recently finished work on the Ice Age, the first Ice Age movie. And uh, she had animated some of the shots uh, with, the, with the kid. Uh, you know, in in the movie, and I, I thought that would be a great uh, you know uh, place to learn new things and and figure out things around 3D, and and it and I said it was definitely a great. But I, I, I but I needed some more. We we're doing a lot of TV ads at that point, and I wanted something more challenging. So I took up uh, a role as a VFX artist at Pixion Studios in Mumbai. That was this is a brilliant studio that worked on a lot of VFX for Bollywood movies and television commercials. So I thought that would be a lot more challenging instead of creating a lot of toony looking characters. What if photoreal was to be created and what are the challenges that come with that? And so that was uh, interesting. And I spent some years doing that. And while doing that, I also realized that, you know, I was constantly helping out with certain community-based events. So there was this massive community of 3D artists in India called CG Tantra at one point. So I remember, you know, very early on helping out during, you know, doing masterclass sessions and, and sharing some production techniques and things like that. And, and also attending such events and looking at other speakers and looking at, you know, trade shows, going to trade shows and, and looking at speakers there made me want to move into a role where, you know, which is more public facing rather than sitting in a, in a studio all day, all night, you know, churning out work. I wanted something that would, uh, that is more field oriented, that allowed me to travel, allowed me to meet new people, find out problems and help solve them in some way. So that was something that I loved doing. So I tried to look for roles where, which fit that kind of a profile. And I found that, you know, this uh, evangelism, product evangelism is a great uh, option that lets you, you know, travel uh, a lot. It gets you to meet new people on a regular basis, get to different industry vertical, explore different set of problems that people have. And so I've been on that journey now for almost the past 15 years now. I started with promotions, started promoting Maya, ZBrush, uh, Pixar's Renderman, 
NVIDIA had uh, their own renderer called Gelato at one point, then it became Mental Ray. And then uh, since the past 10 years now, it's been uh, at Adobe. So some tips that I would share for beginners is what I found very useful is take up whatever comes to you. Like don't be stubborn about taking a particular job or a particular role. Be more open towards any sort of a role that gets you a breakthrough into this vertical. And once you get a breakthrough, you know, then it's easy to sort of navigate through the fabric of the industry and find something that you like doing. But it's very important to get that first breakthrough in and that just requires you to be open to all sorts of new experiences, you know. So as long as, you know, you've got a goal that, okay, this is where you would like to be or would like to, what kind of work you'd like to do, just work backwards towards finding out, you know, which kind, what kind of avenues would then allow you to reach that goal. And so I think, you know, that that helps a lot. Be very, uh, participate in, you know, community-based events. And I found that very useful, uh, especially networking at these events. My past four jobs that I've had so far have mostly come in through references. So there's, there's people have referred me and so I think that 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 is very powerful when when you have a reference rather than you know applying just straight away that way. So I think uh, so, so definitely you know when you're going to these community events and trade shows etc., it's a great place to meet up with peers from the industry and and sort of network there. So that that definitely helps a lot. Another thing that I've noticed is now that I've become a manager, I've been sort of receiving a lot of CVs and, you know, looking out for roles, and I found out that make it easier for the employer to know why you would be the right fit. Don't give the employer another job to look at your generic CV and then, and then try and figure out if you're the right match or not. Make it easy for them to know why you would be the right for candidate for that particular position. You know, like even in today's, today's uh, interview, for example, you know, I chose to ignore my history or, you know, my, my teaching history or or that I had done an internship at a, at a company that assembled computers after my 10th standard, right? I didn't think it was relevant for today's talk, right? It's, so if it's not relevant in that context, then there's no reason to put it in there, right? You might be a great shot put thrower or a javelin thrower in school and, you know, might have won an award. But unless I'm hiring for a, for a bodyguard's position, I don't see how, how that would be relevant, you know, to put that on your CV. So try and, you know, be minimalistic and you know, try and be try and have more essential things and tweak your CVs, tweak your presentations towards what position you're applying for. I think that becomes very relevant. And then, of course, don't copy stuff from other CVs, right? That's the worst thing you could do. And, you know, when I find things like that, like copying the design is one thing and I understand, okay, the format, design, if it looks good, sure enough, you know, why not? But copying the content, I mean, that's that's just pushing it too much, I think. So try and avoid that as much as possible is what I'd say. But yeah, those are my, my tips. Thank you so much, Kuru, for such insightful advices. Like those are really the meaningful ones which actually the young generation should look forward to. So now, as you've been like product evangelizing, so product pitching is a very essential part of product evangelism. So what exactly is product pitching and how important is it for a designer to pitch their design solution for their decisions behind the product? Uh, in my view, I think that product pitching is effectively communicating the value of your product to an audience in a way in which they would easily understand and care about it. It's very important that they care about it. Pitching in general, no matter what you do in life, right, you're always pitching something to someone. Regardless. So it's not just designers, it's just something that's a basic, essential human trait that I think that everyone uh, needs to have. 
because we live in a society that's built on the rules of reciprocation. And the rule of reciprocation states that we should repay in kind what another person has provided us. And there's no human society today on the planet which does not subscribe to this rule. In fact, some historians even believe that that is primarily what makes us human and, and why we could collaborate in such, in, well, that's a whole other story altogether. But coming back to presentations, why is it important uh, in, in presentations is also if you notice that, you know, very commonly everyone uses the phrase to pay attention, right? So why is it to pay attention? Why not give attention? There are totally different things. Paying attention and giving attention mean completely different things. Paying attention actually comes from uh, Latin, and the original Latin word actually translates to uh, to appease or pacify a creditor. So when we pay attention to someone, we are obliged to give someone, what that means is we are obliged to give someone our attention. And there are a number of reasons why you might want to pay attention to something. But in this context, the reason primarily is necessity. There's something you need that you know, you're getting out of it, right? And it's very hard to communicate this value of a particular product or a pitch over an email with a bunch of pictures and a PowerPoint presentation. And which is why it's important to pitch to make a presentation rather than any other medium of uh, sharing your ideas. Thank you so much, Kuru, for that. But uh, what are the effective techniques that you suggest for effective pitching or the presentation? Now, there are many techniques and, uh, you know, in order to make effective presentations. But if I had to narrow it down to a few, I would say, uh, first of all, know your audience really well and tailor your content towards them. And I've already mentioned this earlier, but uh, I think repetition helps. So I'm going to say that again. So definitely, you know, pay attention to who you're presenting to. Know your content really well and research as much as possible on the subject. Many times I notice what people do is they use PowerPoint as a crutch, you know, and they end up uh, depending on the PowerPoint presentation a lot when it comes to, you know, giving the pitch and, and don't do that. I think it's important that you should, uh, you know, be very, very well versed with the content, very, very well versed with the pitch. And you should be good enough to, even if, let's say, whoever you're meeting, you know, or you're pitching the idea to, does not have enough time or does not have a projector in the room or maybe you're sitting in a cafeteria or something. So you should have that ability to think on your feet quickly and make that pitch uh, in a concise manner just so that, and in a succinct way, just so that, you know, your points, uh, important points go across, you know, you are successful there. But it's a, in order to do that, you need to be really, really familiar with your content, you know, to be able to then quickly whiteboard it or just take a tissue paper and, and make your... So I think that's also very essential. And I found that very, you know, uh, quite helpful at times because uh, sometimes you go, you'd expect to do a presentation worth an hour's uh, length and then you figure out, oh no, the, you know, particular CXO only has 15 minutes of free time. And then now you've got to take all your 60 slides and then somehow, you know, combine them. But uh, it's, it's always better to be able to, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with the content, it's always better to be able to adapt to the situation and uh, then present in a way that, that's fitting for that particular situation. Start with the story. It always helps make a very limbic opening. And it's a great hook for to get your audience's engagement. I remember once during uh, one of our uh, internal uh, trainings, there was this uh, trainer uh, who was training us on, on how to do presentations. And, and they often when we would uh, pour into uncharted territories or things that were irrelevant for 
that particular presentation. So he would have this placard saying, so what? And then every time we went a little overboard, you would just say, so what? So what if, you know, why is it, why is it relevant to me? And, and that was a good, uh, good way to, you know, which reminds me, uh, instead of PowerPoint, if you, if you also have, like I understand sometimes, you know, you do need a bit of help. Then uh, visual aids are really good. Uh, having some sort of short notes and things like that while doing a presentation, there's no shame in, in having that. And just to remind you of the point, but again, not, not to be like a crutch where you're completely reading off the, you know, the piece of paper. Good body language is often overlooked, but it's important to have that. I think I read somewhere that, you know, more than 90% of communication is nonverbal and, uh, one, one tip that I can share here is that uh, I remember someone telling me that it's important. Uh, many people ask me, what's the right attire to wear? What's the right thing to wear to a presentation? And the, your best bet is to reflect your audience and try and wear what they are wearing. And that's the most easiest way in which they would uh, relate to you as a human being. So I think that makes a huge difference. So when I'm usually presenting to designers, you know, it's it's mostly jeans and a t-shirt or something like that, or while, while that's if it's for, you know, some uh, legal team of uh, a pharma company, then I'd, you know, probably wear a suit or a blazer or something like that, you know. So depending on the audience that you're presenting to, you would have to switch your attire accordingly. Use the tell-show-tell method for doing demos. Found that to be quite... Uh, effective way of uh, breaking down your demonstration into various tell-show-tell loops and then presenting them. That makes uh, a great, I think, uh, way to present your ideas. There's a tip from my old manager, Rajesh Patel, uh, which is always tell us to stand while doing presentations. Especially if you are a low-energy person, it uh, it helps a lot if you stand and do presentation. Of course, today, in today's times when everyone everyone's doing online and and you know presentations like this, it can be a little challenging. But uh, if you are someone with with a little low energy and you're a little meek sounding, then you know uh, maybe if you stood up and did your presentations, it just helps you know bring a lot more energy to your presentation, and that in effect uh, is more effective. So definitely look at that as an option. Uh, practice, practice, practice. Uh, you know, get get your presentation like especially if it's very important. Make sure that you can deliver it even without the tech, right? So that only comes from practicing a lot. And you'd ha also have to, I've, I've noticed the experiences, you'd have to change your presentation style depending on the types of type of audience you're presenting. So if it's a small room with just a couple of people, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you can, you might not need to be as expressive or as animated in, in that kind of a setting. Maybe you could be a little more somber. But then if you're on the other hand, if you're like, for example, I had a presentation in uh, at one of the universities here in India, but there were 2,000 students in the audience. And you're presenting with 2,000 students, you can't be, you know, meek and you can't be, you know, low energy. So you've got to be dramatic. It's almost like a performance you're doing on stage, you know, and it's almost has got to feel that way if you're trying to get, uh, you know, the attention of so many people in the audience. And even your content should be reflective of that. So, for example... You know, if you have a mixed audience of mixed set of people, then, you know, your content should be built adequately in order to, you know, make sure that it's relevant to all of them. While as, you know, if you're just doing a certain type of audience, then you can tweak the content to make sure it's it's relevant for them. And of course, you know, your your voice tone and all of those things also are, are quite important. And, you know, if you've seen the movie uh, The King's Speech, then you'll know it's possible to 
you know, fix that just so you're not sounding too monotonous and you can mix that up with different uh, intonations and things like that. So that's that's also another good technique that I've uh, come across. Thank you so much, Guru, for all these wonderful techniques. And adding on to this, I would say like authenticity and data also really helps us put forward a decision or the product that we are pitching as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I totally agree with you. Thank you, Guru. Coming to the next part, which is like the content thing, because content is a very major part while you are pitching about a product. So what are the right ways on delivering the effect content to the audience. So I already mentioned this earlier about how there's no one size fits all, right? So depending on the situation, the context, who you're presenting to, who's the audience, uh, you'd have to tweak the content accordingly. I already mentioned about, I also mentioned about how a limbic start and having a sort of a theme throughout your presentation really help, uh, helps in order to, you know, make it more engaging to the audience. So try and weave like some sort of a narrative uh, or a theme around your pitch. It just makes it a, a lot more interesting rather than just presenting it blandly. PowerPoint is a great tool for making presentations if it's used correctly. That is, you can create some really nice looking customer journeys in there and you know and now especially with the videos and animation to also help a lot you know when you're making any sort of presentation so make sure to include some of that and of course having good imagery also really helps it's much better than having multiple lines of text on the deck so it just makes uh, makes it look a lot more easier to read and it's and also you don't want the audience to spend too much time reading your deck rather than listening to you, right? You can only do one thing at a time. So generally, you want to keep your decks, uh, you know, light on the text and more, you know, heavy on imagery and videos and, you know, animation. That really helps. Do what uh, Mary Kondo says, you know, like Mary Kondo says that, like for every object in your house, you know, you've got to ask your question, ask a question about, does this spark joy, right? Don't ask if it sparks joy or not for your presentation, but just say, is this essential, right? Would be the question that you should be asking when you're making your deck. And there's no point uh, just jabbering about, uh, you know, content that's not relevant. So try and be a little, uh, take a minimalistic approach when it comes to uh, making decks to ensure that it's uh, to the point, completely uh, succinct in a way that's that's relevant to that audience. But yeah, those are some of the tips that I can think of. Thank you so much, Kuru. So on a concluding part, we would like to recommend you any three books to our listeners out there. I would recommend Guns, Germs and Steel by Jared Diamond. It's a great book about the origins of man and if you're going through a midlife crisis as well, it's a pretty good read. Uh, the Origin of Species, I said, uh, by, by Charles Darwin is also a great book, especially I, I love a lot, uh, read a lot about biology and so that, that would be another favorite. And another one that I would uh, uh, list here is Essentialism by Gary McEwen. That's a great uh, read as well. So, Guru, any three people who inspire you in this ecosystem? Oh, there are loads of people that inspire me. I think, uh, first of all, I, I'd say there are three categories of people, I'd say. So, first category would be, of course, the, the Adobe uh, employees, the colleagues that I work with. If But they're mostly uh, only going to be known to Adobe people. But if, if there are some of your audience members wants to follow some really good speakers at Adobe, there's uh, Terry White, who's a worldwide evangelist, uh, J Jason Levine. I'd also say Paul uh, Burnett, uh, Michael Stoddart, are some of the guys that you'd find you view videos on YouTube uh, there's also Carl Sule. So all of these evangelists that uh, work within Adobe are amazing presenters and they're amazing to learn more from and understand, you know, how they how they go about uh, working. Then uh, outside of Adobe, there's an artist that I follow called Krishnamurti Costa. 
also known as Antropus. He's one of the senior digital artists at ILM. I love his uh, sculpting work and, you know, he's worked on some pretty big uh, Hollywood movies and I always look forward to his work and they're quite inspiring. And the third category would be the customers that I meet on a, on a daily basis. You know, all of our customers here in India, uh, you know, when I go in and, and present, they, they get, we also end up uh, uh, sharing, they share some of the work that they've doing, been doing and it's always inspiring and almost uh, makes you want to get back into production. So I think these are the three main categories of people who, who inspire me. Thank you so much, Guru. It was great hosting you today on our show. Thanks for your great time. Thanks for having me, Tej. 